What do you want, MacGruber? Join my team. What? Join my new team and tell the Colonel I can do this. I can't do that. Okay. Don't make me beg here, because I will do it. I am so sorry. I'm so goddamn sorry. I got freaking out here. I killed them. I killed them all. I'm so fucking stupid. I don't know what I'm doing, and everybody hates. I will suck your dick. I will suck your fucking dick. I will do it. Just join my team. I'll suck your dick. You can fuck me or get fucked by me. You can watch me fuck something. Just point something in the room and I'll fuck it for you. Come on, just tell me what you want me to fuck. Jesus Christ, MacGruber. Just tell me what you want me to fuck. <laughs> okay, I don't have any lubricant to use any whiteout or like copy corners. Put your pants back on! What are you doing? I don't know! I don't know what I'm doing! I'm so fucked here! Will you say you've been hurt real bad? We just made a whole Joe Morgenstern jerk and joke. I'm just going to keep drinking this coffee. All I'm saying is you missed an opportunity. Welcome to I Think You'd Be Into It, the podcast about your problematic faves. I am your co-host, Beth Scorzato. And I'm your other co-host, Joe Morgenstern. No, you're not doing it right. No, I'm really not. Anyway. <laughs> We're recording way earlier today than we usually do. We usually record in like afternoon or evening. Beth is now on on the program, having her first sip of coffee for the day. I had my first sip of coffee for the day during the Power Rangers, too. True, but that was... Didn't we record that at, like, four? No, that was at, like, two. Whatever. Who cares? Hi. Our guest today is uh, is Samuel Haft. Hey. What, what's your middle initial? M. Okay, I was going to say Samuel J. Haft, but Samuel M. Haft works, no, too. that's Homer J. Oh, Simpson. Yeah. What, is, what does the M stand for? Michael. Awesome. Samuel Michael. Very well, normcore. Thank, thank you for joining us today. Thank uh, you. Do you do you do all the guests with a middle initial? No, no, it just it just felt it just felt right. Oh, okay. I cool. just try to be very in the moment. I try to, uh, you know, just make it make it as sensual as possible for myself mm. and the guests. Mm, yes, I feel we very in the moment. Let's do some space work. We don't do many uh, full full names because then we'd have to explain how Brandon's from the South, where they use their middle names. Uh, yes. Well, aren't you from the South too, or you I have, have family? Yeah, my I have family down in the Carolinas. Uh, are we talking North Kakalaki or South Kakalaki? A little of both. Most mostly North Kakalaki. So the the proper Kakalaki. Yes, Kakalaki proper, not Kakalaki the lesser. <laughs> Kakalaki the elder. Yes. <laughs> oh, um, how you doing? How's everybody doing this morning? Um, I was up at two thirty a.m. Panic baking cobbler. So let's just let me drink this coffee. You boys talk about Will Forte. I've never panic baked a cobbler before. No, neither have I. I I've I've horny baked a cobbler before. Wow. Yeah, I was. That must have been a shitty cobbler. You never baked anything in your life. I I baked you cupcakes at one time. Out of a box. Yeah, with a friend's help. <laughs> After I did it bad first. But it was very sweet. Thank you, babe. <laughs> It's the thought that counts, and not the terrible, terrible cupcakes. Yeah, the, no, they were fine. It's kind of hard to mess up box cupcakes. 
<laughs> You'd be surprised. <laughs> oh, but I wouldn't. Um, so we're here today to talk about uh, specifically one film, but also the, the general oeuvre of uh, one Mr. Uh, Will Forte. Or, or, William, or as he would William be William J. Forte. William J. Forte, yes. William, William J. Forte, or at Orville 4 on, on the Twitter box. Why? I don't know. Um, Probably an Orville Redenbacher joke. It might be. But the first the first thing we need to talk about before we get okay. to the main event of MacGruber is mm. the greatest Saturday Night Live sketch of all time, which is the potato chip. I was going to say, it's the, the potato, potato chip, chip one. Oh my god, you've never seen the potato chip? Uh, I maybe maybe I haven't. Okay, we're going to pause the program right now so Sam can watch the potato chip. Um and we'll be right back. Janelle, what would you say if I told you that that man right there is nothing but a common potato chip thief? Ah! Potato chip thief! What? You have no right come here to have my reputation assassinated. Then you shouldn't have taken that potato chip. You don't take people's potato chips. But I did nothing of the sort. That is between you and your God. Now get the hell out of here. I'm not going nowhere until I'm an astronaut. Well, I got news for you. You are blacklisted. Blacklisted? Blacklisted. No. You will never be an astronaut. You don't take people's potato chips. You will never stroll the moon in a puppy suit. Don't say it. You will never drink tea. Take it back. You will never pee in the absence of gravity. You don't take people's you, sir, are a liar. I am not a liar. liar! No, I'm not. Liar! No, I'm not. Liar! I'm not. Please stop. Liar! Stop it. Then you took that chip. But I did it. Liar! I did it. But I did it. I did it. Be a man for the first time in your life and admit that you took that potato chip. You liar. I, I took it. I took it. I took that potato chip. I knew it. Oh, God. I knew it. You don't take people's potato chips. <laughs> What was that? Yeah, uh, there has never been a a better. Uh, I I never stopped recording. Oh, okay, uh, it's just easier to edit that way. Yeah. There has never been a better SNL sketch. That how I've never seen something so weird. Dadaist, I was gonna say. Yeah, like like it's like a Dadaist Tennessee Williams play. It really is just. The NASA and the accent, yeah, the, the like, which don't need to be there. No, not at all. But our looks like Colonel Sanders. Yes, yeah. Yes, and and Will Forte with that accent being Mr. Greenblatt. Yeah, it, well, it sounds it sounds like Blake Lively says Groinblatt. I don't, I don't know how that happened, but I'm just happy that they had like an extra three minutes. Yeah. To use that. Yeah, th- I think it was Vulture released an oral history of just that sketch <laughs> about a year ago. And it's everything I ever wanted. Uh, there's a story in there about how, like, one of the prop people 
um, printed out a playbill for just that sketch <laughs> and gave it to them. Um, yeah, th- like that. I didn't think that was ever going to be topped. And then David S. Pumpkins bombed out of nowhere. Yeah, and which Brandon did not see. He was very late to the David S. Pumpkin game. I had to wake him up and show it to him. Yeah, I, like, did you I'm see this? I'm imagining you're waking him up in the middle of the night, like. Like the Nazis no. are at the door. Yeah. Brandon, Brandon. No. It was the next morning and he'd already been on his phone. So I assumed he'd seen it. Yeah. But then I was like, yo, did you see David F. Pumpkins? He was like, no, what? And I like had to go back into the bedroom and was like, you need to watch this because you're going to lose your mind. Yeah. And I did. Yeah. No, it's, I mean, every once in a while they'll have a sketch like that. The the waterbed sketch, right? Yep. Uh, which one what was is that? that? Is that the one with A.D. Bryant? They're like, the waterbeds are the best. Is that waterbeds? Oh, was that was that sectional couches? No, which no. was also sectional one of couches those. was totally one of those sketches. Stellar, I you know I'm not. A, this just turned into I think you'd be into SNL sketches. I, I'm not a super I'm not a super big SNL yeah. watcher. I mean one well, of well, one of my closest friends in the world writes for them, but I just I, I I've just never been a huge SNL watcher. But like uh, every year there will be about a whole episode's worth of sketches. Right. That'll, that'll form this perfect, weird, yeah. uh, insane SNL episode. I think well, one of the great that things. that their cast members now can tell jokes. That's yeah. true. Don't laugh while they're telling them. That's, that's true. true. One of the, that's one of my, that's my not so subtle throwing shade at Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> oh, you didn't have to name names. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I yeah. It could have been anybody. Um, no. uh, the, the great thing about that that a uh, potato chip sketch is that like nobody in the audience is laughing at the times that I think it's funny. Yep. They're all laughing at just, it almost feels like they're laughing at random moments out of obligation instead of at the whole thing because it's ridiculous. Oh yeah. And I, I, th- I think that kind they're of laughing because they're uncomfortable. Yes. I, you know, I think that kind of sums up Will Forte's whole thing. Yeah. Of just like, he commits so hard to these insane ideas yeah and kind of doesn't care if the audience as a whole is on board i think it's like he he just goes full speed into audience alienation yeah like yeah. he becomes he is at any time he's on screen he is the most unsympathetic person on screen oh yeah and <laughs> is the best at it oh yeah i don't like watching things that make me uncomfortable which is i understand like a whole genre and choice people make so i don't watch a ton of stuff but um i don't know but it's not even like anti-comedy yeah discomfort the way that like tim and eric sometimes is yeah it's just it's just commitment like i don't know it's it's like a totally different flavor of like hey i'm being not funny and it's funny it's for him it's like i'm being so Fucking intense. Yeah. Yeah. But so to bring us back a little bit to to start from our starting point of MacGruber, that's a little bit less that because it's a take on a specific thing. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. It's still a very strange movie. Oh, yeah. Um, Which I would go so far as to say has the two. Yeah our, yeah. Cat, our cat's up on the table. She doesn't oh, like. She's very chill. Yeah. She just like wants to feel included. She's um, part of it. She really is. She's um, a uh, MacGruber, I would say, has maybe the two best sex scenes in the history of cinema. And they're in a row. Oh, they are in a row, they aren't are they? They are literally in a row. He has the first sex scene with Kristen Wiig, and then she goes, that was great. And he goes, 
I need to go. And like runs away with his clothes, ends up at the graveyard, and then fucks the ghost of his dead wife, Maya Rudolph. Yep. Uh, with the immortal line, I'm gonna shoot. I'm gonna shoot. I'm gonna shoot. It's like they made the, it was the most uncomfortable thing that's ever, it's just so funny. Oh, yeah. And, and like, it's one of the few direct SNL characters to a movie that A, works. Yeah. And is B, fucking hilarious. I, better in movie form than in sketch form. Oh, yeah. And that's so normally not the case. Oh, yeah. Like, like the, the sketch, the MacGruber sketches, if you didn't see them, were basically just like two minutes of a MacGyver episode. Yeah. Making and, life-saving inventions out of household materials, MacGruber! <laughs> and then everyone gets blown up. Yeah. Um, and he's they, just bad, he's bad MacGyver, that's it. Yeah, which is like an amazingly simple premise. It's so, so simple. I mean, the, the sort of like go-to sketch 101 thing is like, it's this job, but bad. Yeah. Which is like, generally doesn't work super well no but it's just the way he's bad is such a strong choice that it's just he's this pedantic asshole who thinks a lot of himself which is also very simple and it just marries those simple ideas and he does it so well oh yeah and uh i i would say as far as the snl movies go which i won't i don't think i'll count the blues brothers because they weren't really like That's, characters and, and they also kind of i think that was their thing also, you know better Separately. than to throw any shade on that movie in this oh, house. Oh, I'm not. I'm not throwing shade on it. That's one of my all-time favorite movies. And uh, and with Blues Brothers 2000, ah. we can talk of we can talk about uh, that. You can throw shade on Nazi sequels. Oh yeah, let's let's but, talk for a minute about Blues Brothers 2000, shall we? Uh, back when uh, Paul Schaefer was a cameo. <laughs> I, I went, wow him. I went to. Uh, the Spinal Tap guys did a tour called Unwigged and Unplugged. Oh, I remember it. Um, I I saw it at the Beacon in New York. I was I had better seats than Paul Schaefer, who was in Spinal Tap. Yes, <laughs> I like I looked behind me. He was like two rows back. I was like, oh shit, that sucks, sucks for Paul Schaefer. Guess <laughs> um, he logged on to Ticketmaster late. Who? Well, who was he in Blues Brothers two thousand? I don't remember. I just remember. That's one of the first things I think of when I think of Blues Brothers 2000 is a very unnecessary Paul Schaefer cameo. There's a lot of really unnecessary cameos in that one. I remember what it was. He was, when they get to, uh, when they when they get to the scene with Erica Badu mm-hmm. playing Queen Musette. Yes. Who is some sort of voodoo queen. Yeah, it was turns... like a horror thing and they just put him on the keyboard in his sunglasses. Yeah, it's really strange. Um, that movie is not good. Um. <laughs> it, well, it made the it made the 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 big sequel mistake of replace a character with a child. Yes. Um, and then the uh, the the better move is to replace a character with John Goodman. Yes. Um, and then the baffling move of uh replace Cab Calloway with a weird CGI uh, chariot in the sky. Oh yeah. Um, the at, riders in the storm. Hmm. Uh, I will say this about Blues Brothers two thousand. Horrible movie. Pretty good soundtrack. <laughs> like like all of those all of those songs stand up. Like they're the yeah. songs are pretty good. Yeah. It's just the movie they're in is real bad. Yeah. Because like Blues Brothers was there was something gritty and kind of grimy and gross about it and some other G words. Whereas like the second one it could not look more like a sitcom. Right. It's very it's it's kind of the second Blues Brothers movie is kind of like 
when uh, the TV station takes Wayne's World out of the basement. Sure. And they're like, it's Wayne's World! And you're like, no! Is is that the first or the second one? I think it's the first one. I, I think I've only ever seen the second one in its entirety. What? The second one is the Christopher Walken one. The first one's the Rob Lowe one. Yes. I... Do you remember back at McDonald's around Christmas they used to sell VHS tapes? Back at McDonald's. Or back in the day at McDonald's. <laughs> they used to sell VHS tapes? Yeah, uh, I this this what? might have, this might have been a scotch before your time. I remember when I was in like kindergarten. So you would have been like one uh, or baby. just born. No, we are uh, we are similar ages. Are we? I thought you were younger. I'm 27. Okay, yeah, I'm 30. No, you're, you're, you're younger. You're younger enough that you wouldn't remember. Okay. Because um, they only did Because for... when you're really little, those three years make a difference. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. <laughs> um, I, d- I remember them giving me 3D glasses in a comic book of 20,000, 40,000 leagues under the 20,000 leagues 20, under 000. the sea. I, it would not surprise me if there was a sequel called yeah, 40,000. 40, 40,000 is twice as deep. <laughs> um, but the squeakquel. Used... They used, God damn it. Uh, they used to sell movies around Christmas time, and for some reason, one of them was Wayne's World. Huh. And I bought it and then watched like a third of it, and then my parents said, like, no, you're not allowed to watch this. Yeah. So they took it away, so I never actually saw the whole thing. <laughs> really? But I've seen part two a million fucking times. It's good. Fine. It's not as good. Yeah, it it it's has fine. some good moments. Yeah. It it. It doesn't need to be a parody of The Graduate for the last thirty minutes, but it is. Yeah, you know they they made some they made some choices. Although honestly, if they made another Wayne's World movie, I would see it in two seconds. Oh yeah, yeah. absolutely. Sure. Um, so so back to the topic. At yeah, hand. I was gonna say. So we started talking sequels because they're now making a MacGruber sequel, but we'll get yes. there. Yes, yes. So, so what, excited. What was your introduction to? Mr. Forte. Um, it was, he had been kind of used sort of weird on SNL. Um, I guess probably the first recurring sketch I saw him in was the Falconer sketch, which at the time I couldn't appreciate as much as I do now. Sure. Because it is, once you appreciate Will Forte for being Will Forte, then you rewatch the Falconer sketches and you're like, oh my God, he's, you fucking ridiculous man explain to our listeners what the falconer sketches were it was a wilderness melodrama with will forte in a giant fake beard and a plastic toy of a bird on a string (laughs) it was exactly that and he would just be in need of rescue like he'd have a boulder fall on his leg and he'd be like falcon falcon come call for help falcon and the falcon obviously would being a toy on a string would never <laughs> do it. Like, you know, a prop master would just fly a falcon in and he'd be like, where are you going? No, don't push another boulder. Like, it would it would just not work out. But the, the Forte-esque commitment was so great. Um, but the first thing I saw him in that I was like, oh, this guy's the best, was he had a weekend update character called Tim Calhoun. Okay. Which was one of his SNL audition characters. Okay. Um, Do you know if that audition tape is online anywhere? I don't, but I saw... I'll Google it. Yeah, I saw a compilation of audition tapes, and it included Will Forte doing Tim Calhoun. Okay. Have you ever seen Phil Hartman's? Yeah. Phil oh, Hartman's that one's is... up. That was also online in full. It's so great. Phil Hartman's is amazing. And it's, a, it's an audition, yet he somehow brings John Lovitz on stage. Yeah. Yeah, and it's so, it's just so polished. The German Impressionist. The German Impressionist is amazing. It's one of the best things I've ever seen. If you haven't seen it, it's it's Phil Hartman uh, playing Germany's premier Impressionist. Yeah. And, and it's in perfect German. And then he does impressions of like John Wayne and like yeah. Jack Nicholson. And, oh, but the Jack in German. Nicholson one, he like throws on a pair of sunglasses and he's like, 
Virsin D. Gazagazubin. Like, you know, it's, oh my God. it's, it's fucking awesome. He, it's, I, I still, uh, over 20 years later, can't see, like, any, anytime I'm reminded Phil Hartman is dead, it's like, oh. Ah. Aw. Yeah. Um, so, Tim Calhoun. Right. So, Tim Calhoun. Uh, Tim Calhoun is just an index, like it's an index card gag is really what it is. And it's like a very easy, classic kind of comedy trope of like, oh, you're reading on the index cards and the breaks in the index cards are comedic. But it was just like totally the delivery because uh, he shows up incredibly sweaty, like just soaking slimy wet with hair, like not slicked back with gel, like just slimed back on his head. Good. And his shoulders up at his ears and just his eyes incredibly wide and looking terrified to be on television. And he has a stack of index cards and he goes, you know, Hi, my name is Tim Calhoun and I am running for United States. Changes the index card. President. And it was just the gag of him being this weirdo with index cards and like he would run for different things he would just be like a fake political correspondent they bring in who would be running for different offices like at some point he's running for like a judge and he's like in fact i served as a security guard in a food court and then he (laughs) opens the next index card and he's like tim don't mention the food court and he just kind of looks at camera for 30 seconds straight silently and terrified (laughs) and just just like silently cursing himself for doing it you know he's one of those performers where like just you explaining it i can see it so perfectly um did did it ever feel like to you like i feel like every sort of generation of snl has like one or two people that feel like they're on their own show yeah. Oh, he's totally one of those people. I mean, it was Will Ferrell for a long time. I, it was, but I feel like Will Ferrell very quickly became the centerpiece of the show. Well, yeah, the show kind of molded around him. Sure. Well, when when Adam McKay is your head writer, who's like one of the few people that knows how to write perfectly for Will Ferrell. Right. And not just make him yelling guy. Right. Um. So what? So after SNL, what? What? It, well, my, my introduction to Will Forte was Clone High. Which you, which I've never talked, seen. You've never seen that. That I have seen a lot. I don't have a ton to contribute to this because uh, I don't watch a lot of things. But I have seen Clone High, and it's phenomenal. And you should go watch it. What is everybody the, should go watch it? What is the premise, and what is Will Forte doing? Uh, Clone High was the the series that Phil Lord and Chris Miller, who oh who yeah. did the Lego uh, guys, the Lego yep. guys, yeah, it's an and, animated series of a bunch of basically clones of historical figures that are now teenagers in high school. And it's a cartoon. Yeah. Yes. Awesome. So you have like Gandhi, you have JFK, I think you have Marilyn Monroe. Uh it the Will Forte plays Abe Lincoln. He plays Abe oh, Lincoln. Who's just who's just yeah. the kind of like it's his least silly part ever. He's he's very much the straight man. Yeah. Uh Gandhi has very severe ADD. <laughs> um and is just a complete like Motormouth spaz. Yeah. Uh, JFK is the jock. Of course he is. Cleopatra is his like popular girl girlfriend, right. and Joan of Arc is basically the emo girl. Oh, that's so great. Um, it's so fucking funny, and it like, I think it it ran for a year. Right. And they they didn't even air the entire series in the states. Like it was cre- it was a co creation with uh. Teletoon in Canada. Gotcha. And uh, I think Bill Lawrence was one you of the... You can definitely find gotcha. them all online. Who oh, was yeah. Who was Joan of Arc? 
I don't remember. I don't. I don't remember. Okay, who he, I'll who just. I'm just gonna assume Garofalo until corrected. You have a computer right there. Um, <laughs> you're you're not you're not wrong in thinking, uh, Garofalo. Uh, it's it's a it's very clearly patterned on her. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it was one of those shows that ran for a year, and if you saw it, you loved it. But like it. It, That's how I feel about Harvey Birdman, which I'm fucking obsessed with. Harvey Birdman ran for a really long time, yeah, though, didn't it? but with, it? like, nobody watching it, too. Uh, like, Ni- it was just on in the middle of the night, and... Uh, Nicole Sullivan from the, oh, Ma- from yeah. the Mad Television. Yeah, 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 she's was, great. Uh, was Joan of Arc. Was Joan of Arc. Um, and also because, like, uh, Bill Lawrence was one of the executive producers. Like, the entire cast of Scrubs cameos right. at various points. Right. Um, what were you saying? Oh, uh, oh, that I'm super duper into Harvey Birdman. Oh, yeah, Harvey that Birdman. That was such a good show. That that was that was a weird outlier in the early Adult Swim, where yeah. like it wasn't repurposed footage, but it it had that similar but it felt vibe. Like it was, right. Um, the first season. it ran. It's one of those ones that ran longer than anybody thinks it ran. Yeah. Because everybody remembers Space Ghost more, even though I think that ran less. Yeah. Um. Well, well, uh, Space Ghost was also like well, I had know the Space advantage. Ghost was was repurposed and stuff, but I'm I just think that since people think Harvey Birdman no, yeah. was repurposed, it is the more memorable of the two. Oh yeah. no, but what I mean is Space Ghost was used as like promos and interstitials too. Like, oh, they yeah. promoted Space Ghost. They yeah. didn't really well, promote. And Brack Harvey was Birdman the host for a little while of Cartoon Planet. Cartoon Planet, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and like uh, Space Ghost too, uh, it was wrapping up right when Adult Swim was sort of taken off. Yeah, like I think there were maybe only. About a dozen new Space Ghosts that yeah. ran as part of Adult Swim. And that was back when there was really no marketing for Adult Swim kind of well, at all. And it was only yeah. Sunday. It was only Sunday nights. And then they would repeat the lineup on Thursdays. Yeah. And um, the only really popular mainstreamed show from like OG Adult Swim was Aqua Teens. Yes. Which uh, I went to a screen. Or if of, you were me and my friends in high school, C Lab. C Lab. C Lab. I didn't realize that C Lab was. You didn't realize that I'd seen all of them until like a year ago. I didn't, no. Yeah. I didn't realize that C Lab was uh, the Archer guy. Oh, uh, it was. It was. Matt Reed. Yeah. Or Matt Reeves or whatever, whatever his uh, name is. Adam Reed. Adam Reed. Um, there is some nutty shit in C Lab. Yeah. But I mean, that became like a whole oeuvre for Adult Swim was like take an old cartoon and fuck with it. So C-Lab, oh, yeah. Harvey Birdman, Space Ghost, all that was like part of the same sort of subgenre of Adult Swim programming. Uh, and in the first season of Harvey Birdman, they used models from the original show and the animation movements from the oh, original show. Oh, that makes sense. But in season two on, they just start like making their own and it looks completely different season yeah. one to the rest of the seasons. I remember, I remember feeling like just the production value on that one was way higher. Yeah, than any and of Stephen the other Colbert adult shows. As, as the best he's ever been as Phil Ken Seven, the guy, the boss oh, with the eye right. patch, the right. innuendo slinging boss who'd be like, "Hi, there's the rub, ha <laughs> ha, rub." Oh my god, yeah, that that was basically him doing Colbert before. Yeah, he had his own. It show. was pre Colbert, Colbert voice. Yeah. Um. So so, what would if you had to pick a favorite? Will Forte performance or or program or feature film? Oh, I mean, it's definitely MacGruber. I watch MacGruber uh, ten times a year, Shit. for sure. Like hands down, the two movies that I watch the most for pleasure are MacGruber and Nacho Libre. Ooh, okay. Neither of neither of them ever get old to me at all, and I find them both endlessly funny. 
We're we're gonna get back to McGruber in a second, but wh- why Nacho Libre? It's the that's Jack Black yeah. as the yeah. luchador. Yes, it's not at all for the lines, and it's a hundred thousand percent for all the line reads. Sure, the line reads are just you know it. Jared Hess just said, make weird choices, clearly. And Jack Black makes the weirdest choices in that movie. And the guy uh, who plays, I think the character's name is Escalito, uh, who's his, like, wrestling partner, who's, like, actually kind of like a big Mexican soap star. Okay. Um, He's fucking so great. You know, like, all the, like, I hate all the orphans in the whole world. Say that again to my face. Like, it just, the, the drama and the, just the, Oh my god, it's just so dumb. I love it. I, th- I will I will yell phrases from that movie more than I yell them from any other movie. I'm like, assuming during intercourse. Oh, dur- yeah, I'll be I'll, we'll be in the middle of just some rough doing it and I'll be like, "Get that corn out of my face." <laughs> like it just it's so it's so great. Can we talk more about Rough Doing It? <laughs> rough Doing It? That's the name of my R&B album. It's a very polite album <laughs> you know i wouldn't i wouldn't put it past you and bill to write a like just slow jams record oh yeah um but we'll we'll, we'll get to we'll get to sam and bill yeah uh, but oh yeah totally in a little bit i was gonna say speaking of speaking of rough doing it you guys were talking about the mcgruber sex scene uh, i have never seen mcgruber but i know about the ghost sex scene because brandon once took it upon himself to literally explain the scene to me instead of pulling beat, it up instead of we were in the car yeah. for some reason Yep. So I'm just imagining the, the two scene of you, to who's, me. who's driving? Him. So you're driving, and you're just looking at the road, yep. and Beth is staring at you horrified as you're going like, I'm gonna shoot! Well, no, I, I, by that point, I'm making direct eye contact with her and fuck the road. Oh, God. <laughs> um, I, I'm an incredibly We were driving driver. through Hollywood, and he was explaining the MacGruber ghost sex scene yes. to me. And <sighs> also, a great thing about MacGruber, uh, Val Kilmer, clearly oh, playing yeah. himself disguised as a pumpkin. Just based on how he currently <laughs> a costume he appears. never took off. Yes, have um, you seen have you seen clips of him as Mark Twain? I have not had the pleasure. They are the they will change your life. Oh yeah, because he looks more like Mark Twain than he does like Val Kilmer. Oh, I've seen him in the makeup. Yeah, I've seen, yeah. I've seen images, but it's it just. How he is now, it's shockingly little makeup. It's really just a white mustache. <laughs> that is awesome. A uh, um, a producer I used to work for uh, produced a movie that he was in that was like, I think the first thing he did after The Doors. Oh. And he was like the Kilmer whisperer on set. Like That's he was hilarious. the one guy that like Kilmer would kind of listen to. And like he could kind of like rib him a little bit, and he like, seems like kind of a fun guy. He seems like he, from everything I've heard, he's one of those fun guys until he becomes an insane person. Uh. Um, and like it sort of peaked where like they were doing something, and this producer made a very passing Doors reference at Val Kilmer, and Kilmer just looked at me and I went, "Watch it." watch it and it's like okay but he was able to get away with it and wasn't like Kilmer didn't punch him right so like that's about the best you can do with Val Kilmer is he doesn't punch you yeah that's that's good there's a there's a story um Ira Glass put out a book years ago called the new kings of nonfiction Mm -hmm. that was just a bunch of nonfiction essays like David Foster Wallace is in there and uh and Val Kilmer well Chuck Klosterman has a a piece about the time he got to interview Val Kilmer and like just the majority of it is him getting to Val Kilmer's house 
Because he didn't, he refused to give him an actual address. He just had him fly to like Montana or whatever, what? and then just drive for an hour and then call him at a certain point. And it just like got weirder and weirder from there. It's a really, really insane story. That is odd. Um. So what is it about MacGruber that uh, makes you want to watch it 10 times a year? Oh my God. It's just, it's truly all Will Forte and a little bit Kristen Wiig, but- but Will Forte carries every like he you just can't not look at him in every scene. And it's I, I think it's also the same as with Nacho Libre. It's the line reads. Sure. It's that's that's you're going to remember the jokes, you know, like the jokes will never feel new to you. Sure. But as long as the line reads are hysterical, it's it's almost like watching an inside joke. Sure. I can com- I completely get that. I feel like a lot of his work kind of has that. Yeah. Like, just on its face, the line, I will suck your dick, isn't yeah. isn't that funny, but the way he says it and his commitment is fucking amazing. Yeah, the, like, half-crying, very serious, this is a secret between you and me, but I will suck your dick. Like, it was just, it's just, oh my god. And, and part of the fun of MacGruber is seeing the actors who aren't really comedy actors have to deal with it. Yeah. You know, seeing, I think it's Ryan Phillippe, have to act against someone being like, I will fuck you, bone me at something, tell me what you want me to fuck! Like, just, it's the, also just the way that, I think that's part of it, is just Forte's upsetness is so watchable. The kind of like, Well, that's one of his, like, superpowers, is... Being completely fucking desperate. Yeah. And trying to pretend he's not. Well, they built a whole show around it. Exactly. Yeah. Which, which we'll get we'll get to Last Man on Earth. Yes, um, which is great. I, I have lots of lots of thoughts about Last Man on Earth. Oh. I I have unfortunately only ever seen MacGruber the once. Ooh. Um Missing out. I know. I I I, I think I owned it. I think I bought it because, yeah. like, I want—I just wanted to give those guys my twenty dollars. Right, uh, exactly. But like, I—I I, I think I was the only person in the theater, or like one of three. <laughs> it was at like, it was at the the movie theater right near where we went to college, um, at like two thirty in the afternoon on like a Thursday. Oh yeah, it was the same as when I went and saw Brother Solomon, which oh, I think, my God. which I think was his first movie. Yeah, and that was a weird one, and that's great. Him and Will Arnett, yeah. great with each other. Uh, that, that's that's a, like it's not a good movie. No, it's it's a it's an empirically bad movie. Yes, by all measure. But the the it, it, but the two of them are so fucking good together. Yeah, that like it makes it work. Like yeah. the fact that the, oh, absolutely. Like the fact that the story doesn't work. It, like nothing makes sense. It's just, it's really, the pitch of the movie is like, okay, it's two weird guys. Yeah. And it's Will Arnett and Will Forte. And okay. And then we're going to have Shy McBride every so often. Yeah. And wasn't, and Kristen Wiig, I think, was in there too. Oh, I think she was. I think she was like the the girlfriend or. Or like like the downstairs neighbor or something. Like she's just like the girl that's around. Yeah. Because like. I don't think she becomes their girlfriend, but she's like the friend who's a girl. And then, and then she she has Chai McBride's baby at the end. Yes. Um the only that the only thing that bums me out is is that Bob Odenkirk directed it and it doesn't feel like him at all. Yeah. Like it does it doesn't like there's so many weird missteps. Like well, a lot of the movies he's directed haven't been very good. 
And I say that as Bob Odenkirk is empirically one of my biggest heroes. Yeah, I think you might be his biggest fan. There, uh, no, I don't. I don't think I am. Oh, but like, okay. I, I feel like I'm. I'm pretty up there. Yeah, you're like you're. You're a huge Odenkirk guy. Oh yeah, like David Cross, sure, great. But like everything that comes out of Bob Odenkirk's mouth is just the funniest thing in the world. Even if it's like I saw him moderate a Q and A with Noah Hawley about his book, huh? And it was just like everything he said was just so casually the funniest thing in the world. <laughs> Um, so, MacGruber. Yes. Um. We keep coming back to it. Well, I mean, there's a lot to... He's got a lot to parse out of it. There's a, yeah, there's a lot. Now, why, did you ever see Hot Rod? You know what? I didn't. And I know it's the same directing team, the Lonely Island guys. Oh, was it, was it Yorma and the other Yorma and Akiva. Okay, I couldn't remember who, who directed. I think they, like, change off movies. I think they alternate. Who's it, it the director? Be. But I, I, I mean, I figure they're both just basically a team throughout. Yeah. Um. I didn't. I didn't love Hot Rod. I didn't hear great things about it, but the people who like it really like it. Yeah. It, it feels like it's one of those. <clears throat> it feels like it's in a similar place to MacGruber. Yeah, but I also feel like Andy Samberg is more sort of grounded and relatable than Will Forte ever is. He is, but like, there's something about his particular performance in that movie. It felt like one of those things where, like, the main character didn't give a shit about, like, the world. Well, I think also a big difference between Sandberg and Forte is, like, when Andy Sandberg is funny, he knows he's funny. And when Will Forte is funny, he acts like he has no idea he's funny. Yeah. Um, it might be. It's a partially a comedy style. And weirdly, I, I don't think in real life they're all that far off. But I almost think it's, like, a not generational in like a large sense but in a like they overlapped enough that people know who both of them are specifically on snl but i feel like you have a much younger it's one of those things like we're talking about like that difference of three years when it makes a huge difference in your taste right right you know like i think people like just a couple years younger than us we're way more into hot rod I think so. And it's it's just a matter of, like, who you came up with and, like, your specific sense based on, like, those small three years of development in which your entertainment is different. Like, right. Yeah. Who – did they come on at uh, on SNL at, at about the same time? Or I feel Forte like was earlier. Was, was he? Forte yeah. was earlier. And, oh, okay. And he's a little bit older. Yeah. yeah he's and like Sandberg came on with Hater. Oh, okay. Uh, and, yeah, so there must have only been a couple a couple years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel like, I feel like Sandberg very quickly kind of became much more of a utility player. Oh, totally. Than Forte did. Yeah, well, because Forte is such a like big choices guy, and and Sandberg is just so casual. Yeah, and I think that also like is a very kind of defining difference between I think you know younger people loving the Sandberg vibe, and and I feel like Will Forte is like the Daniel Day Lewis of Saturday Night Live. <laughs> sure. Yeah. And I I think it also might be, and this is. Let me finish because you're both going to jump on me here. Um, that I think Andy now, hold on. is a better actor. Hear me out. In that, um, I, Will Forte is a phenomenal actor, but I think he's best used when he's doing something really specific. Whereas Andy Samberg can play more of a normal person in a believable way. Yeah. Well, it's, it's like... You, you... But, only, but only because like... He's not the specific choices guy, right? Right. Yeah. Like, what? Well, like he, he. Well, he makes very specific choices, but they're they're like not as weird. <laughs> yeah. He he's able. To, he was he's able to fit in as part of an ensemble. Whereas, right. like, if Will Forte's in your thing, 
he, it's, it's all about, about him, him whenever yeah. he's on camera. Exactly. Like in Keanu, whenever he's on camera, it's just the Will Forte show. Oh, my fa- we were talking about that earlier. We, yeah. yeah, we were talking about that uh, last night. My favorite joke in all of Keanu was uh, just because it, it was like, oh, that's me. Was oh, when, no. when they go over to Will Forte's house and yeah. they start threatening to break his records. Oh yeah! And the first thing they threaten is the first De La Soul album, <laughs> which is like every basically every white dude like me's favorite hip hop album. And he just he stands there going like, "Not my De La, not my De La." Yeah. And I was like, "Oh my god, that is the most specific fucking joke." It really is. I I saw Keanu at the Cinerama Dome, mm-hmm. the ArcLight. Um, and there's a scene where they go to a movie at the Cinerama Dome at the Arclight, and the entire crowd had this moment of like, oh, hey. That's us. <laughs> That's us. Um, it was it was a delight. Yeah. It was a delight. Um, so Keanu it, was great. Keanu was was very good. I, th- I think it I think it was one of those things where it it falls closer to like Brother Solomon or something to me where like well it's also like a very structured film oh yeah it's super structured yeah and like they're I don't know if I'd call it a good movie a great movie but like they're hilarious in it right it it was at the time it came out it was the funniest movie of the year yes I, which was I think last year <laughs> it was the funniest yes. movie of last year I I'm trying to think I'm trying to think what I remember last year wasn't a very good comedy year. Like, uh Popstar came out last year. Oh that was fun. You, uh, we got we're gonna have Speaking to, of Andy Sandberg. We're gonna have to fight about this because Popstar has one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Which is it, it's um it's actually it's a, I no, Will Forte isn't in that scene. Um he's he's in Popstar, right? He just shows up. Yeah, he I just assume he he'll, just shows up in everything. Yeah, he'll just pop up somewhere. Uh, it's that scene with uh Sandberg and Tim Meadows. Uh, where they have him turn off the cameras and uh, they're suddenly attacked by bees and all, <laughs> yeah. and all, and you, you only hear the scene and then see the descriptions of what they're saying. Right. And then it just escalates into this crazy, like there's, there's bees a... and a flamethrower. Yeah. Uh, what's up, Beth? Sorry. I, it's not related to this at all. It, it's fine. Well, I just, it seems to have broken your brain a little bit. Michael Flynn refused to hand over documents to the Senate inquiry on Russian election meddling, invoking the Fifth Amendment. I heard about that. Oh, my God. Yeah. This <laughs> this podcast is always about a half a second away from just turning into, like, fake pod save America. Yeah. Um, Sorry, I just that was on my phone when I picked it up from 20 minutes ago. Um, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go ahead and say we here at... Uh, I think you'd be into it. Do not endorse the current administration or Michael Flynn. Wow, I know. Wow, way to take a stand. Right? Yeah, we're we're um, we we are the first podcast to come out against the the president's actions. That's incredible. And, I mean, hashtag resist, right? Yeah, uh, we 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 hashtag uh, resist so hard. <laughs> <laughs> um, so last man on earth. Yeah, Will Forte's uh television program. Right. Uh. Thoughts. It's not for everybody. No. Because he is... A monster. Uh, a monster, yeah. I mean, he is so good at being unrelatable, and they let him be as unrelatable and unsympathetic as he has ever been, ever. Yeah. Uh, well, and it's... I think there's a difference between unrelatable and unlikable. It's both. It's, well... There's, no, there's, there's no because a lot relatable. of them is that he's very selfish, and I think everybody can relate to that. Yes, but they don't relate to acting on it. Right, yeah. right, exactly. There's mm-hmm. something I think. I think one of the things that works about him is there's something inherently kind of likable. 
yeah. about him. Yes. Just just as a well, person. Well, just like it's not even likable. It's a root for a bull kind sure. of. Sure. You want to root for him because the, he has sort of an underdog quality. He Oh yeah, absolutely. Um and I think you know when you start the show, I think the show took a lot of people by surprise, which is why a lot of people like gave up on it very quickly. Sure. Uh, because when you start the show, you assume it is a sympathetic show about him. Sure. And then you quickly discover that, no, it's not, and he's the villain. Like, yeah. he's the bad guy of The Last Man on Earth, and he just antagonizes everyone and and is just the worst. He's the worst. Yeah. And it's so great. And it takes, it takes maybe four or five episodes to get there. Yeah. Which is like, because in, in all the lead up to it, they just pretended like it was just going to be Will Forte. Yeah. And for the pilot, it is. And that pilot is so fucking good. It's so good. Like all of you the You could vis- just have him by himself with soccer balls with faces painted on them and it would be amazing. Oh, yeah. And the way that they, that they slowly built an ensemble over, you know, two seasons. Yeah. Was really impressive. The the best the best description I heard of of why that show works is from somebody who wasn't on board for a little while. Hmm. And then he was like I think it was Matt Gorley from Super Ego. He tweeted something like Once I realized it's a Daffy Duck cartoon. Yes. It all clicked. Yeah. And I think that's exactly what it is of like he fucking sucks. But like <laughs> you you can tell he's trying. Yeah. Like he makes very poor decisions in, in the, trying. In yeah. trying, yeah. Like, like, yes, he is a wildly selfish, horrible person. I mean, in the same way that I mean, it, I think it is tonally could not be a more different show. But I think, like, human wise, in the same way that curb your enthusiasm. Sure. Yeah, it is. Uh, you know, he's the dick in every episode. He's the dick. He's the asshole. Yeah. But then. By some perceived like little slight by people who are not nearly as awful as him, no, he has to like take it upon himself to like be the victim and and fix whatever situation is by making it so much worse. Oh yeah, it's ju- it's just the it's it's just a series of increasingly worse decisions in oh, the yeah. way that I think um, could also be said of the uh, the what was the show Todd Margaret. Um. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. The increasingly poor, poor decisions, decisions of Todd, Todd Margaret. Margaret. Yeah. I mean, it's an increasingly poor decisions show. That's sure. what it is. Uh. Although Todd Margaret is so much more of a passive actor than oh, Will yeah. Forte is in this. I. I've. I've never seen Todd Margaret. It's great. Uh. If you want, it's. It's great, but also has that element of the characters become so unlikable that sure. you will want to stop watching the show at some point. But you keep watching it, and then the character who is just like kind of a spineless piece of shit, uh, eventually like destroys the world. As I say, it leads to the apocalypse, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It li- it it. I mean, not to. Uh, I don't care about spoiling. It's like it. a ten-year-old show. Yeah, Spo- spoil it, away. Yeah, I mean, it ends with Todd Margaret accidentally becoming a military general in North Korea and launching a nuclear missile. Wow. Yeah, it just it just goes there. It just Jeez. it's but it's it, again, it's all like a guy who's like trying to do right but trying to do right by himself first. Sure. The you know, the thing that they did on 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 Last Man that I th- I thought was very interesting is for the second season they introduced his brother. 
Yeah. Um, who's played by Jason Sudeikis. And, right. and th- those two. Who's not there. Yeah. Like, the those two guys together are hilarious. Yeah. Like, they're they, so good. But, like, they're, they're so much of that arc is is dramatic. Yeah. Like, yeah, absolutely. It, it becomes hard to call it just a straight comedy. Right. In that second season. And, like, basically the whole thing is his, his brother does have the virus that kills everyone. Right. Well, and he gets like, it once he gets to Earth. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. He gets it. And then, like, basically there's just, like, a heartfelt scene with him and Forte where he's basically has to go, like, look, just, like, please, like, they're, they're at his house in, like, Phoenix or whatever. And he's like, please just, like, go. Like, I don't want you to see me like this. Just, like, let's have our sort of goodbyes and then, like, please leave. It, it is yeah. literally my dying wish. Right. And it's, like, such a powerful performance from two actors who are known primarily for comedy. Right. And, like, they've both done dramatic stuff. Yeah. As you say, I don't know, Sudeikis does a lot of, like, romantic comedy. He does. And, like, right. He's always, he's always, like, a little silly. And Forte did Nebraska, which was totally Nebraska was, serious. Let's talk about Nebraska. Um, that is a... There's a lot of Forteisms in his performance. But it's so, like, it feels like you're watching William Forte, the human being. It yes. doesn't feel like you're watching a Will Forte character. Yeah. and But it also doesn't have that thing of, like... I always felt like when Jim Carrey would do a serious movie... He'd always be as noodly as he is in a comedy? Well, I was going to say, it, it always would look like he's just trying so hard to be serious. Right, right. Like, he's trying really hard to be an actor and not silly and not well, whatever. Well, I mean, part of it is that Jim Carrey, when he plays these dramatic roles, has such a dark side. And Will Forte oh, yeah. doesn't have a dark side. He has, like, a regular guy side. Yeah, and that, that's the secret part. Yeah. Like, that's the hidden thing. Is that secretly, like, he's just a guy. Yeah. Um... And, like, that he's able to hold his own with, like, Bruce Dern yeah. and Stacey Keach and uh, and Bob Odenkirk. And just, like, this phenomenal cast is really impressive. I, I, I'm i upset that it hasn't led to more Will Forte transitioning into, like, uh, more mainstream acting roles. Yeah. But at the same time, if it did, we might not get MacGruber 2. So, hey! Oh, MacGruber 2. Keep dancing for us. MacGruber 2 still seems like such a, a, a sweet, faraway dream. It does. Um, Magru- I feel about MacGruber 2 how most people feel about Blade Runner 2049. Sure. <laughs> like I'm like, oh, one day, and it, and I hope it's great. Yeah, I... I... I've been waiting for aeons. I, I got burned by Anchorman 2, oh, which, well, it, which don't get me wrong, did. I saw Anchorman 2 three times. <laughs> I say, um, you laughed harder at that fucking um, ghost of the Civil War thing than yeah. anything else I've... <laughs> yeah, like, a, well, a lot of that movie didn't work, but when John C. Riley shows up as the ghost of Stonewall Jackson at the right. end, it's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Well, uh, <laughs> uh, John C. Riley is a great example of a comedy actor who can do regular guy so well. Oh, yeah. I think John C. Riley and Will Forte have a lot of common ground as performers. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, they're, they're both fully capable of just being absurd. And I don't know that they've ever well, been across from each other in something. I don't know. John have. C. Riley, I would say John C. Riley is a little different in that he came up through like he's actually a like really phenomenal like stage actor. I think he was yeah, a very Steppenwolf. serious actor. Yeah. Yeah, he was like a very like he's a great comedian, but like that 
like he's actually like a very like yeah came up through doing like musical theater and stuff yeah like, like he kind of didn't start down the con like the pure comedy trail until probably Talladega Nights yeah oh yeah we're like I think he's a, a weirder character than Will Ferrell is oh in absolutely that movie. and I think also like we could we could have done this whole. A podcast about Walk Hard, which is I know both of one of our favorite oh, movies. F- oh fuck it, I'm hitting delete. We're starting over. We can, you know what? Do you want to just finish this podcast on Walk Hard? This is this is the Cox Cast. Okay. This, let's, we're, no, uh, we're, no, no. Well, the next time you're Did in you Los do- Angeles, ah, no. We learned how to we learned how to remote now, so we can okay. always yeah. have you back to do it. Perfect. Or, Perfect. or the next time you're in Los Angeles, we are doing the Cox Cast. Oh yeah, we have to. Uh, that was in an- fact. In fact, we should start it by all performing a Dewey Cox song. Ooh, I he will. I for a good long while, um, I knew how to play several songs from that. It's a great soundtrack. Oh, it's so fucking good. We're turning this. It's accidentally it's, it's, turning. Yeah, into it's the co- it's going to become the Cox Cast at least for a few minutes. Um, Beautiful ride. Beautiful ride is an amazing song. It really is, and like even it's, though it's lyrically. It's so Bananas. inane. It's so inane. Oh yeah, that it's uh, and and I love that too. Is like just making a song that is stylistically so perfect, but the lyrics are just like you just learned how to write lyrics for the first time. Yep. Well, I mean, it was taking written... trips for business. Like, what was that? Oh, you mean music, flowers, babies, yeah. traveling not just for business, accepting your mortality. Yes. This is finally what I've learned. Yes. Well, that, the, that song was written by Dan Byrne who's a like phenomenal folk singer. Mm. Like he's he's very much doing a kind of like Dylan-y, Springsteen-y sort of thing. Yeah. But then oh hey, cranked out a song that's fucking hilarious. Right. Um did he write all the music for the soundtrack? Uh not the whole thing. He he wrote a but it's, number but of But genre-wise them. it varies so wildly. Oh yeah, it's all over the place. Um that Bob Dylan song. The Bob Dylan song. Uh, oh, so great. Royal Jelly is yeah. oh my god. Um my favorite line in Beautiful Ride is it's not a funny line on its own, yeah. but knowing all of the like dick jokes throughout the rest of those songs, yeah. it's when he says, um, as I stand on the precipice of death, my perspective is <laughs> enormous. enormous. And there's like, it's not a directly phallic thing. It's just the wording yeah. is so unnecessary it's such a choice the oh, wording yeah. yeah that it becomes hysterical um actually let's you know let's let's now tr- transition to this you yourself are a comedic songwriter yes i am uh t- tell me about your gr- your group yes and, uh, and then we'll talk about how i fit into that yeah ever so slightly shameless plug um so uh we are called sam and bill sam ampersand bill okay uh we are not we found out the first group called sam and bill there's actually uh an a really reasonably popular old uh, Motown soul act called Sam and Bill. I saw that when I searched you guys on Spotify. Yes. You, if you search for Sam and Bill on Spotify, there's their record. Sam and Bill are huge. And then there's a like Motown compilation with one song on it. Right. And just so everyone is clear, Sam and Bill are huge is our record, not R&B classic acts, Sam <laughs> and Bill. Um, so yeah, we are... Uh, we do comedy music, and I think part of what defines us as an act uh, is that there are comedy musicians that really choose to be more music and more comedy focused, and we really, really, really try to balance it. And uh, I think I I would say I would say Flight of the Concords 
has that element of like all of their songs are musically sound in a sure. big way. However, I think they are much more about the lyrical quippery. Sure. Um, and uh, and I feel like even even in the sort of wording and stuff we use, we we try to stay very genre specific. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of your songs are pastiches. Yeah. Of... Uh, um. And I think that's that's all about our process, which is like we'll come up with a premise for a song, and then we'll come up with the genre style. Sure. So we don't start writing the music until we know what kind of song it's going to be first. Sure. Uh, whereas I think just knowing other people who make comedy music they often just like write it chronologically. Like they start with the first line and then have a joke and then move it into the next one and the yeah. next joke. Uh, and that chronological style, like it creates a much more organic sort of natural thing. Whereas we don't do that at all. We're like, this is our, we are the world song. This sure. is our surf rock song. You know, we, we have that in mind well in advance. And, and that's, I think why, why y'all songs don't feel so like primacy. Yeah, like there, there are a lot of comedy songs where like you hear it once, you hear what the turn is or what the punchline is, and right. then that's, well, then what the fuck is the point now? Right. But like I know it now. You, exactly. Like I feel like that. I feel that way about a lot of Stephen Lynch songs, yeah, which I feel yeah, like is very, very fair, very un- fair, unpopular. Does it, do people still like him? I feel like people uh, maybe people people definitely still. Well, you know what? I, the, he just kind of went away. Okay. He, just, he was in the wedding singer on Broadway, and then he just sort of. Went oh, all right, because I remember him being really popular for a while. He was very I, would... po- I mean, he was everybody's idea of what comedy music is for a while. Like whenever I would say I don't like him that much, people would be like, "What?" Yeah, I know. I've okay. let this go on much okay. too long. Okay, a very big, a very big influence on me just in comedy music has been Tim Minchin, though. And Tim sure. Minchin is like he's music first. Yeah. All of his songs are funny, but they are so much more music than they are funny. Same way with Jonathan Colton. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. Um, and that, that's what I, th- I think what you guys do so well is like, yeah, the the songs have very strong comedic premises, but they work as songs. Right. And unlike Tenacious D, we don't come into it with like characters either, because I that's think that's true, what separates yeah. them too. Is that they, you know, Rage Cage and Jables are these big personas that yeah. come through in every song. Yeah. And and they're very much just doing like cock rock. Yeah. Oh, um, totally. Which like. Which is, it's super funny because, like, so much rock music is, like, kind of stealthily about your dick. And, like, they're just like, no, all of our songs are about our dicks. Yeah. Um, Are we talking about Tenacious D We we are, yes. Yeah. All I gotta say is one is all you need. I say, like, once a week and maybe one-eighth of the time somebody knows what I'm talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. That, yeah, that that first Tenacious D record is, is, to this day, one of my favorite both rock albums and comedy albums. It's it's like, and they did before, they've gotten higher in production, and I think that's unfortunate because the way they did acoustic rock music was fucking awesome. Oh, yeah. Like, the, like I've, I've seen them with a full band, and then I've seen them with just the two of them, and it's as cool as it is to have the whole band, like, just the two of them is, like, that's what Tenacious D yeah. is. Like, it's, it's this big, like, cock rock sort of spectacle that's just two dudes. Yeah. It's just two fat guys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, one of them's jumping around and one of them's a really good guitar right. player. Right. And I think for the kind of mess that uh, the movie The Pick of Destiny was, I think one of the best sequences is the dream sequence to the song Master Exploder, where it really yes. is just the two of them just being on stage, being metal as fuck. And they blow up Amy Adams' head. Yes. It's I, great. That final scene at the end where they where they fight Satan 
is still one of my favorite scenes just in movies. It's great, and I think Dave Grohl is Satan. Dave, yeah, Dave Grohl, Dave Grohl is Satan, who Paul F. Tompkins morphs into Dave Grohl Satan, right? Which is even better, right? Um, and and the HBO show was really terrific. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Those it were was really good. I mean, there would be no, in spite of how different Flight of the Concords and Tenacious D are, there would be no Flight of the Concords on HBO without Tenacious oh, D yeah. on HBO. Or like or Garfunkel and Oates. Yeah. Just or... the sort of the struggling band show. Yeah. Is what they really created there. Oh yeah, and like the the fact that it was this weird thing that they just like. I don't the know fa- if- it like it's a failure odyssey, and yeah. I feel like that's what they invented for HBO. Oh yeah, and I, I love that it was tacked on to Mister Show. Yeah, like I don't I don't know if if you if you guys know the sort of history of the Tenacious D show. Mm-hmm. Basically, HBO was like you've told me that fair enough. Um, I for for the record, I didn't know this. I watched it, you know, by itself. Um, I think it was either the third well, or fourth Jack Black season. Was on. Yeah, Jack Black was in the I think every episode of the first season of Mr. Show mm. and then he he popped up a couple times after that. Right. But they they had basically HBO was like, "Do you guys want to like put something else in your slot?" And they're like, "Oh, well, let's let's do this show with our friends in Tenacious D." Yeah. And that's our, fr- what, our friend Jack Black and his Juilliard guitarist partner. Yeah. And that's why they're only 10 minutes long cuz right. it's like, "Oh, it's just Slap it onto the end of our time oh, slot. Oh, that makes so much sense. Yeah, which like HBO's never really done otherwise. They should do that with Sam and Bill. Let's get back to that for a second. <laughs> uh, Sam and Bill, terrific so, act. So t- uh, t- tell me about your record. Yes, uh, it's called Sam and Bill are Huge. It's available everywhere. We briefly hit uh, the number one seller on Amazon Comedy. Hell yeah. Oh yeah, but it's updated hourly, so it's not that impressive. Ah. Uh, but hey, we had we had like most of a day at number one, nice. which I'll take it. Um, and uh, we have a lot of genre pieces, and Brandon happens to play solo guitar on two of the songs. One of them is called Pool Party, which we have a weird story about Pool Party too. Um, the song Pool Party, it is uh, it's kind of like a murder song in the style of surf rock. It's just about serial killing, essentially. Um, that's a, that, yeah, that, that, that about sums it up. Yeah. And, and Brandon did like this sort of Dick Dale, uh, surf <laughs> rock. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, uh, gave myself like a giant fucking, uh, callus yes. from just doing so many surf guitar slides. Um, well, it was worth it for us. Uh, and <laughs> I tell you, I've heard that song. Probably 50 120 times. times now between yeah. that and Wolverine. Yeah. And well, right after we finished the production on that, we read this or Bill uh, read this uh, article on like a horror blog because he's a big horror fan, follows all the blogs and stuff. Nerd. Nerd. He read this thing about a movie coming out called Pool Party Massacre, okay. which is so like so exactly our song. Yeah. And we reached out to this guy on Facebook. His name is Drew Marvick. And we were like, hey, oh, this is so funny. We wrote this song. Well, long story short, we have a new mix of that song that is now the end credits to their movie nice yeah so now if you watch pool party massacre which you will only really like if you love 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 like what it's going for because it is so very much that and it is so very much like kind of pulp tits out horror sure which is it's super fun and if that's if that's what you're into you're gonna adore this So kind of trauma it's style i would say so but it's like it's more grounded than trauma because it's not like just like weird growths coming out of people and vomit and shit like that gotcha it's bloody but it's not like goopy the way trauma is. <laughs> sure, that's, uh, that's and it the has best way I've ever heard someone describe tra- a trauma movie. Trauma movies are goopy. Uh, <laughs> I'm actually about to do a podcast later today with a friend of mine, Zach Amico, who is a trauma actor and writer. Oh yeah, yeah. I uh, 
I saw a Craigslist ad years ago. Well, that's how be... they do all of their. It's all Craigslist. Well, this was to be Lloyd Kaufman's personal assistant. Ah, uh, Lloyd's great for four hundred dollars a week. So in Brooklyn, L- Lloyd is actually a family, and I guess now personal friend. Oh, nice. He is an odd guy. That's what I've heard. Yeah. He, I, I, I once spent 10 minutes in his office, which is really just the first room you walk into in the Troma building. Like, it's just his table across the street from Michael Hertz, who, like, is a ghost, basically. Sure. He's never around. Uh, or actually, I think he, like, shows up at 9 and leaves at 4, you know? Sure. But when people show up, it's typically just Lloyd in that room. And there was, like, 10 minutes where he was talking about simultaneously the Lego movie and, like, a guy on a skateboard and falling down. Like it's, it just, it sort of was like everywhere and nowhere all at once, this conversation. That tracks. And he's so like, he, it's so cool. Cause he is like, so what you think of in your mind, if you imagine like, Oh, like I'm going to imagine like a, a Jewish movie producer director. And he is so fits into that. Like, Oh, hello esque Sure. Version of a person. But then as that person, he makes trauma movies. Yeah. Which is awesome. Like, uh, I mean, somebody's got to do it. Yeah. And he is, he's like such a goof. Like nobody who looks and sounds like Lloyd Kaufman has ever taken himself as not seriously as Lloyd Kaufman does. Sure. And, and that's, I think that's like what's super fun about him. Like he'll be like, oh yeah, you want me to put on this tutu and, you know, suck a imaginary penis? Like he's, he's so right there and ready to do it. I'm sort of imagining going into the trauma offices is kind of like on The Simpsons when Bart goes into the mad office. <laughs> it is very much like that. Actually, the first time I met Zach Amico okay. was at uh, the trauma offices where I was going in. I think I was going in to read for something. Um, and I the first I saw of Zach Amico was all of his naked body. Good. Uh, and uh, I'm just like walking into where people were like sitting down and reading scripts for something. And I just walk past a room where there's just a camcorder on a screaming naked Zach. Uh, and and that's uh, that's the vision that I feel like most people have of Zach. Well, I mean, that's kind of how, how we met. You came and auditioned for our show and we're just. Yeah, that's right. Bare ass naked. Yeah. Completely, um, completely naked. Uh, everyone covered in ham. Yeah. Um. So the there... good stuff. No. Oh not, yeah. Not the cheap Bo- stuff. Uh, Deets and Watson. Yeah. Ovs or Boar's Head. If we're on the East Coast. Ooh. They have um, Boar's Head here. Oh, they do. Yeah. Well then. Well, next time we're naked. <laughs> so are, just not at the Albertsons. Yeah. Are Are there any uh, as we're wrapping up? Are there any other topics in Fortalia in you would Fortalia. like to uh? discuss before oh, we God. release you into that good night and uh, if not if there's anything else you want to plug before we wrap up um oh god let's think will forte will forte will forte um he's uh i don't know i just uh want him to be my dad that's my thing <laughs> i say that about people now that like this is it's my my the highest form of love is like just be my dad sure just be, I, I think the person i say it about the most is jackie chan okay dwayne the rock johnson close sure. second but uh, fair, just fair. Think, I just fair. think they should be my dad. Yeah, I, I totally get that. Yeah. I totally get Will that. Will Forte be my dad. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know. Check out the album Sam and Bill are Huge on iTunes and Amazon and stuff. Uh, we have a YouTube channel now. Okay. Uh, which is like we're we're totally starting one at the exact right time mm-hmm. culturally. Yeah. 
2017 is the year to start a YouTube it's channel. Ju- it's just going to be Let's Plays, though. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's and really... unboxings. And unboxings. Yeah. I think that YouTube thing's really yeah, going to take if you off. Yeah, I think if you just unbox things while you play, people will watch it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but we have we have our first music video up there. It's for uh, a We Are The World-esque song called Yes All Men, which is just like We Are The World, but for men's rights activists. Good. Uh, and it's, it's not a thing. Yeah. Men's writers are not a thing. No, it's not. But it's it's made a lot of them very upset, which Good. is great. Good. Um and it's kind of just an 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 anthem for it that is really just male whining. Uh but it's done so very much in that kind of like eighties we are the world style. So I'm I'm in this like George Michael get up and he's very hollow notes, mustachioed guy. I saw some production photos. It is an impressive mustache. Thank you. Well, I'll it's his mustache, but I'm fan. I'm grateful. <laughs> I'm grateful for his mustache. Uh, and e- actually, ever since he got that mustache, people have started ask- telling him, oh, hey, you look like Ron Swanson, which is, I've learned, the only thing you need to do is grow a mustache. Yeah, apparently. Yeah. That's the only qualifier. And people be like, oh, you look like that guy with the mustache. I, I have the problem where my mustache doesn't come in in the little, like, lip divot. Oh. So I just I will just look like a sexual predator. Yeah, every time. Like, I'll just look and like it's a- also very light. Yeah, it's also yeah. very. So it looked like gingery. an accident. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I look like a creepy William H Macy. You character. know what you look like? You look you look like a version. Uh, you look. Uh, oh God, what's his? Uh, Castaway Domhnall Gleeson. Mm, you could sure. get. You could pull that off. Oh, you yeah, could pull yeah, like yeah. Domhnall Gleeson wakes up on a beach and he has your facial hair. Yeah, yeah, or like if somebody just took like Philip Seymour Hoffman in one of his creepier roles and just did reduce by thirty percent. Oh um if they wanted to find just you online where can people find you online uh well my twitter is at sam haft i have a website at samhaft.com. i sometimes post things on it more often i do not but uh follow me on twitter and follow sam and bill because i post i i'm posting stuff there much more than i am my personal mm-hmm. page what what is the what is the tweets for sam and bill uh bad motherfokers okay i knew you guys had a twitter but i couldn't find it last oh no night. you know what it's actually sam and bill music our okay. instagram is bad motherfokers right sam and bill music is the twitter Excellent. Um, I can be found at uh, Hell Yes Brandon on all of the bits and pieces of the internet. Um, My sketch team, the Pinup Squirrels, have a show at Second City in uh, Hollywood uh, on Saturday, June 10th with MMA fighter Paul something. I don't remember his name, but he can remove his teeth. Um, And... uh, Twitter.com slash Diblert Comics. Oh my god. Um, um, you can find me online at Girladactyl. Um, another very exciting thing. This is coming out the 29th, two days from yeah. now. On um, May 31st, we will be at Heidi Ho Comics in Santa Monica with the Wonder Woman fan party that is being sponsored by Heidi Ho, the Nerd Out app, and Geek Chic Promotions. And we will be moderating the Wonder Woman panel with a bunch of awesome guests. Um, we have uh, Mark Andreco, who's written on the Wonder Woman 77 comic, as well as Matt Haley and, I believe, Drew Johnson, and one of the voice actors who played Wonder Woman... I'm so sorry I'm blanking on her name. Um, there's also going to be a Wonder Woman cosplayer. 
Uh, it's going to be open bar for 21 plus with a ticket. Um, those tickets are all on sale now. Um, you can find them through the Geek Chic Promotions page, and we will be moderating that panel and recording it and releasing it as a special episode of be, I Think You'd Be Into It about be, Wonder Woman. It's going to be just like a normal episode, except minus all of my jokes. Yeah. Uh, which will be just in time for the movie, which is coming out June 2nd, which I'm super pumped for. Yeah, I think, I think that I, I, um, I've heard good things. But yeah, tickets tickets are on sale now if you go to the Geek Sheet Promotions page um, on Facebook. We have an event up there, and I, there's a link to the tickets. Uh, tickets will be more expensive at the door, so pre-buying them is behooves you. I think it's like $5 for kids, 12 for just food, and 15 for the open bar. I think that sounds and right. And it'll be $5 more at the door. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be red, and we're really excited about it. I'm going to be there whether or not we were moderating and we are moderating so that's cool um yeah as always thank you to kalen west and tiny stills for the use of our theme song starting over is a lot like giving up off the album falling is like flying i believe her kickstarter may be wrapped i think i think there's like a day left yeah but go check it out either way um she's got her second album coming out it's going to be super rad um and i think that about covers it. Oh, you can find us online at Intuit Pod and email us your suggestions at IntuitPod at gmail.com. Uh, we're still running the contest, too. If you leave us a review, you can win a copy of the Mountain Goat's new CD, Goths. That will also be running through the 31st, Ooh. through the end of the month. It's a, I, I've listened to the record a couple times. It, it's quite good. Um, yeah, so... Um, I think that's it. I think that's it. Um, I haven't even threatened to unplug you this week. I know. It's, 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 it's strange. It's refreshing. It's... It, I, I, I'm pushing it, aren't I? Podcast over. Podcast over. That was great. <laughs> don't you, don't you.